Oh, buddy. Welcome into a TGIFFFF. I don't know how many Fs I can put in there, but thank God it's Football Friday. Oh, my goodness. Is it good to be with you this evening? I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter on this wonderful, wonderful Friday evening. And you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's football. It's baseball playoffs, which means your Astros. How about that, baby? So we got plenty to do on tonight's show. We're going to hear from a couple of defensive guys tonight. We're going to hear from Whitney Merciless in a few minutes here. A little Drew's Dozen from Whitney. We're also going to hear from Money Mitch, Terrence Mitchell, who... I think is one of my favorite guys on this team. He is always got a smile. Always. No matter what's going on, he's always got a smile. He plays his guts out. He punches the ball out. He's had two forced fumbles already this year. I think he fits, and we desperately missed him against the Carolina Panthers. We got to give my keys to the game. I got plenty of them for this Sunday's matchup with the New England Patriots for the third time in yeah three years all those games were in Gillette for so long we played them we played them here on a Sunday night 2015 and then two and 16 one and 17 one and 18 like gummit. let's play them here we lost all those games we got them here on a Sunday night 2019 beat them played them last year in 2020 beat them 2021 faced the rookie quarterback Hopefully, I can finish the sentence the same way, saying, beat them. But I got to give you those keys to the game to how the Texans are going to beat the Patriots. We will have our In the Lab, which we didn't get to on Wednesday, so I saved it for Friday. So why not? Drew and I sat down and talked a little bit about Buffalo, but a lot about how the Texans are going to take care of the New England Patriots. So we'll have that a little later. I got my predictions for all games this weekend, including the big one. It's like a Super Bowl matchup that could ever be because it could only be the AFC Championship. And it was the AFC Championship in 2020, and that was the Buffalo Bills taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. And apparently the Bills are going to get rain again in Kansas City. But Bills-Chiefs this weekend, that's going to be fun. That's going to be a lot of fun on Sunday night. And hopefully we'll be celebrating the Texans' win as we all are watching that game Sunday night between the Bills and the Chiefs. And I will say that – I'll say go Bills. Go Bills. I might pick the Chiefs, but go Bills. Root for my pal Sal Capaccio um, to do well this year. He, he said to me, he came over with about five or six minutes left in the game. It was pretty much out of hand, but wanted to catch me before we kind of went our separate ways after the game. And he just looked at me, and he just kind of has a look, and he goes, I don't know what to say, man. We're good. Yeah, they are. They're very, very good, the Bills are. But I got to say, man, even though I'm a lifelong Houstonian sports fan, and I hate what the Bills did to the Oilers back in 92. I'll be cheering for the Bills, man. I really will. I, I like everything about that team. I like how they go about their business. Um, I really like Josh Allen. I like the fact that he has just kind of stuck it to everybody who thought he couldn't do it. He's now an MVP candidate. I think he's phenomenal as a quarterback. He's phenomenal as a leader. He's great for that town. They love him. If you watch his mic'd up, man, you know. Holy smokes. So I'll give you my predictions for all the games, Bills and Chiefs included. And then we'll have Whitney Merciless again. So we're going to have a little Drew's Dozen here in a little bit. 
And then we're going to get a little football-centric with Whitney a little later in the show. But we kick off each and every Friday show with the man himself, the head coach of your Houston Texans, David Culley, sat down with Mark Vandermeer to talk about this matchup against the Patriots. Coach, let's talk about these Patriots. Offensively, they didn't run the ball really at all last week. So how do you prepare for what they do? Because you know they're probably going to try to do that, yet they have that good short passing game. Well, you know what? The, from week to week, you know, it's been a Coach Belichick's game plan offensively and defensively mm-hmm. is you don't ever see the same thing from week to week. But I do know every week, and I do know his flashes, they do want to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't do it quite as much last week, but I do know they want to try to do that. We expect them to try to do that, especially with a rookie quarterback. Uh, but we're, we're prepared for whatever it is that they want to do, Mark. And, and, and we know depending on how they game plan us and what they feel about how they need to attack us, that's how they're going to attack us. And if they feel like they need to throw it 50 times, they'll throw it 50 times. If not, then obviously they're going to try to establish the run, try to protect the quarterback and put him in good situations and then go from there. Very different offense you're facing this week versus last week, really. Completely different. You know, different style of offense from the standpoint of, first of all, the two quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, completely different guys there. And then just uh, just the, the players around uh, their quarterback now, different than the players that we played last week. But it's, a, it's an offense that will do whatever it is they feel like they need to do to be able to move the ball. And uh, they've always felt like that they're versatile enough that if you allow me to run it, I'm going to run it. If not, then we're going to do what we need to do. There are times when in the, in the passing game they got two backs back there. Then there's times when there's no backs back there. Basically, they just got to kind of figure it out and see how you plan them and then just go from there. But we're prepared for everything. Now, as far as what they might throw at you defensively, that's also really difficult to predict, right? It is very difficult to predict. But the thing is, what you saw last week may not be what you get this week. Mm-hmm. But, Mark, we do know once that game starts, after about two series in the ball game, whatever we're seeing, we're going to get for the rest of that ball game. So if, if, if we're on the field long enough to be able to see exactly how they're going to defend us, then we'll know from moving forward that that's how they're going to play the whole ball game. We may not have knew that going in, mm-hmm. that this is what they were going to do. But once it starts, you know exactly how they're going to play you, and then you just adjust from there and move forward. How have you liked to practice this week and trying to get your running game going again and whatever you can do during the week to help you out for Sunday? Well, it's been the best Wednesday practice that we've had to this point, mm-hmm. especially coming off the kind of game that we had last week. Uh, this week it was great. Our, our, the attitude on the team was wonderful. Uh, we came out. We knew we had to get to work. Um, offensively, we know that we got some things that we need to correct. The first thing is correct our penalties and, and, and get some consistency in our running game, and that's been a – that's been an Achilles' heels for us. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, last week we had some penalties that basically were some ten-yard penalties that put us in some bad situations, and we worked on eliminating those kinds of things. And and uh, basically, we're going to start with some consistency this week. Keep our keep our guys above the sticks, and then uh, be good. Coach, special teams wise, they've been tempting you to return the ball, and sometimes forcing you to return the ball, kicking it off inside the five, between the five and the goal line. So I know it hasn't always worked out for you, but I know that's something you've been focusing on as well. We have been focusing on it. We we feel like right now our return game has probably not been what we would like it to be, but we know what we're capable of, and and we spent some extra time this week. Frank and the staff is uh, and Sean has done a great job of got a good plan for these guys. These guys are one of the better special teams in the, in the league year in and year out. They've got basically two or three guys on that team that basically that's all they do is special teams. They're like specialists there. And, uh, but we feel like this week that uh, we want to be able to return the ball. 
And if they allow us to return the ball, that gives us a chance to get a score. And, and we just got to be more consistent this week with it. And we feel like we'll have a good return game. How good is it to be home, Coach? It feels great to be back with the Texans fans here at home. Mm-hmm. And with the Patriots coming in, uh, what a great environment for us to get back on the right track. And we're looking so forward to it. Coach, thanks so much. Good luck. You're welcome. All right. Being Friday, last uh, day before the game, last weekday before a game, and when that's the case, it's time for the game status report. So we've got three, I'm sorry, four players out of this one. One of them for the Texans. While there are three of them, and this is something to definitely talk about, for the Patriots, for your Texans, out is Rex Burkhead. He's missed all week. I think Coach alluded to that maybe as early as Monday when he met with the media. I know he definitely mentioned it on Wednesday. So Rex Burkhead out of this one. Now, I don't know what that could mean for Scotty Phillips, but we'll see. Scotty Phillips, a full participant all week in practice as he was dealing with an illness. Rex Burkhead out. Two players are questionable. In fact, we got an injury report early. Then we got an updated one probably about a half hour to 45 minutes later, and it was because of Brevin Jordan. Brevin Jordan missed practice, did not participate today because of an illness. He is questionable for this game, as is Marcus Cannon. Now, Cannon has not practiced all week. Brevin practiced full all week long up until today when he was sick, so he goes on the list as being questionable. Rex out. Marcus Brevin, questionable. Also questionable is Danny Amendola. However, the thought is that Danny should be ready to go and watch him at practice. Look, I'm no doctor. I know that Mark likes to play doctor on the radio, but I'm no doctor. But I'm watching Danny Amendola run around at practice and felt pretty good about what he was able to do at practice. So, that's the Texan side of this. Justin Britt, Jimmy Moreland, Scotty Phillips, all back at practice. So Jay Reed in, Kamu Grugier Hill in, Kevin Pierre-Lewis was activated. We'll see if he is active on game day, but it was, I was glad to see him back at practice today. The Patriots, wow. Now, I've seen injury reports sort of like this, and I think a few of them have come from New England, so I kind of get it. That said, keep in mind there were two players – that were placed on the COVID list earlier this week. I think it was Monday. And that was left tackle Isaiah Wynn, left guard Michael Onwenu. Out for the Patriots, tackle Trent Brown, right guard Shaq Mason, and corner rookie Sean Wade. Now, Wade, eh, he's out dealing with a concussion, but... Trent Brown, Shaq Mason, Isaiah Wynn, and Michael Onwenu, four of the five guys projected to be starters for the Patriots. Two of them are definitely out. Two of them on the COVID list. Don't know if they can get back before the game, but if it holds, that means the Patriots would be without four of five starters. Now, Yasser Durant played at right tackle last week for Trent Brown, but Onwenu, Isaiah Wynn uh, played the two positions in the offensive line. I want to say Ted Karras was in at guard. I think he may have gone in when Shaq Mason got hurt. So, ouch. 
ouch, ouch for the Patriots. Now, can the Texans take advantage? That's the key. Mark said it the other day. When Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, we all thought, man, this is back in 2016, we thought this is the opportunity. Rookie Jacoby Brissett, never seen the field. We got an opportunity, and they thumped us 27-0. So, take it with a grain of salt. Now, questionable for the Patriots. Juwan Bentley, Cody Davis, Kyle Duggar, Nick Folk, Jonathan Jones, Jalen Mills, Ronnie Perkins, Kyle Van Oy, all questionable for this one on Sunday. Now, in the past, Tom Brady was always able to control what happened on an offensive line, so I didn't worry about guys missing in the offensive line from that perspective. This is Mac Jones dealing with four starters, not on the offensive line, and the Texans have, set, have some dudes that can get after the quarterback. So we'll see if they can put it all together. For the Patriots, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. We'll see if that holds as well. I hope it does. I hope it does. I hope the uh, Texans are criminally underrated for this one. Okay. And last and certainly not least in our first segment, it is time for Drew's Dozen. I like to bookend Drew's Dozen and Drew's final word at the end. It's the same guy, but we kind of spread it out. We talk a little non-football, and then we talk football. I like the symmetry of that. It really works for my OCD. So let's hear from Drew Doherty and Whitney Merciless. This guy and I, we've talked a few times over the years. We've even gone to Mexico City together over the years. Not just you and me, but we were on one of the scouting trips before the Texans played in Mexico City back in 2016. We went in June and toured all around the sites. But it's Whitney Merciless. It's good to be with you, my friend. And I'm going to steal from Ted Lasso here. And I'm. Do you watch Ted Lasso? Uh, I have not. I need to. Okay. I've been told to. I just watched the first three episodes last night with my wife. How and it's, is it? It's awesome. It's really. really I'd heard it was in everybody I knew. Yeah. Just raved about, it. and it, it's the real deal, and I love it. <laughs> I think you would like it as well. First concert you ever saw? Best concert you ever saw? First concert I ever saw, ever in life? Yes. I would say uh, it's not until I got down here. I was. Uh, I watched. I think I went to a Drake concert. It's like really never was the same. I think that the, that was the album that he was touring. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Best concert, I'd say J Cole. It would have to be the J Cole. Gosh, what, what's the album called? Born it, it, it was Born Sinners or something like that. Okay, uh, uh, I can't remember, but J Cole definitely was the best. Gotcha. Never gone to a concert until you came to Houston, huh? Yeah, in 2012. All right, yep. or just yep. not a music guy. Just didn't have the opportunity. Basically, never had that opportunity. Actually, okay. fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Uh, for the record, my first concert was a Crystal Gale concert in the '80s. That's how old I am. <laughs> okay. Yeah, look it up. You'll you'll laugh even harder. Okay, in the kitchen with wit. Now <laughs> you have a storied background as a food uh, lover, as yep. a chef. Darn it, you've got a restaurant even. Yeah. But in the kitchen with wit is a fun competition coming up. What's what's the deal behind that? Because you got your buddy Justin Reed, yep. safety for the Texans involved. How did this all come about, man? So, I, I mean, I, I'll take you through the backstory. So, COVID came, of course, COVID came around. Mm-hmm. And so, with the foundation, can not really do much because we go out, visit kids, and when we donate for, or, you know, families to utilize organizations that we partner up with, their services and stuff like that, we love to visit and, you know, talk to the families and things of that nature. So, I was like, man, I love food. I love to cook. So, let me try doing something for the kids, uh, essentially on IG or whatever. Yeah. Um, and just making some simple things like, uh, and I would consult with individuals from the organization like Easter Seals, what what would be in somebody's typical pantry. Yeah. We'll just take ingredients from there and to create some things for children with disabilities and all that. So I was, you know, making some, I think I made like, gosh, grilled cheese sandwiches, uh-huh. or something like that on there. And 
I think that was the moment where the, <laughs> it broke the camel's back as far as like, you know, some of my yeah. viewers. And they were like, oh, man, I thought you could cook. <laughs> I was like, well, hold on, wait a minute now. Right. This is not for you got all challenged, you guys. Huh? I got challenged. Yeah. I, and, you know, we're competitive. Of course. Yes. And so that's when I said, you know what? All right, I'm going to take off the gloves and <laughs> I'm just going to start making some things. Yeah. So that's when I started getting into like squiddy pasta that right. I did on the IG. I did the uh, the duck with the foie gras. Yeah. With the uh, mu- mustard, like kind of like a hollandaise sauce and whatnot and, and with some leeks. So like, all right, I could cook. I yeah. cook. I, I, I feel like, you know, I proved myself. And so. He's not just some chump warming up chicken wings, okay? Yeah, this guy knows what to do. Okay? Exactly. No hot pockets, man. Yeah. So, especially being able to see chefs, like, cook over the years. And so, I decided to do that. And so, one thing led to another. And so, that's where In the Kitchen with Wit became became reality, mm-hmm. in a sense, or has been brought to fruition. Bringing in some you know, some favorite chefs around the city yeah. uh, to cook with. And did that first event that was last year, uh, or in nineteen, maybe, yeah, in nineteen, it was a cool. It was really cool. We were able to raise about seventy thousand, mm-hmm. um, just from that, from outside, uh, from donors from outside the state, which was the first time we ever did that. That's wild, man. That's um, awesome. And some people inside the, uh, in, that were in state as well too. So we could actually expand our outreach. So it was really cool. And so we just kept that up with, and now we're just doing a competition. Justin Reed. Now we're going to see who's going to be the best cook in the kitchen. Uh, Jay Reed said, I can't cook. I'm like, it's okay. We got right. we, we, we got help on the side. So you got to come up with your own <laughs> recipe, though. <laughs> what, do you have a go-to? I mean, is there something you make over and over again, or more so than other stuff, when you're at home actually cooking? Uh, no, not really. No? Uh, I, I'm not the one to you know always repeat dishes. Yeah. Uh, I just got to have that. You know, I just feel like an inspiration. It's just like, okay, today – I want to make this, okay, or you know, just or I just dream it up or something like that. Yeah, and it's like if I've done it and I may not do it well the first time, then I'll redo it. But to come back to it over over and over and over to make sure that it's a go-to, no, not really. Fairly spontaneous, or do you just kind of map this out? Like, do you know what the next thing you're going to cook is? No, no, no. spontaneous. Yeah. Okay, it's just like I. Like I said, it was just inspiration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, okay, man, dang, I had this, like, really cool dish at the restaurant um, that I ate from, like, I don't know, a month or two months ago. Right. And I'm like, man, how can I do that but do my own little twist to it? Mm. Yeah. So I'll just, like, think stuff like that. Or I'll just say, all right, well, let me just come up with something wild. Let me grab something, like, maybe it's, like, you know, you could do, like, chicken and steak and all that. But I, that's where I wanted to use, like, exotic foods like squid yeah squid duck i would love to do like a whole quail um one of these days yeah so i just think of these different things and then i'm like okay let me put together these spices that i know that taste good in my mouth and can it's almost like chemistry sure 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 so that's awesome man it's fun it's fun to see how you've like uh you've kind of i don't want to i don't say evolved because i mean you're you've always been ahead of the game there but you've that journey that you've taken with food. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. It's no, been no, cool. It's definitely been evolutionary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as you saw. It's good stuff, man. <laughs> okay, so we did a little research on you because mm. we don't want to just, just ask about food. But okay. back in 2007, yes. you were named the Plain Dealer Player of the Week in Akron. And you said then that Ted Ginn Jr. was your favorite player. So what was it like when you actually played against him in the NFL? Any other players you know, that you ever played against, that you kind of idolized growing up. How, yeah. What was that like when you went, went against him and saw him on the other side of the field? Oh, man, I thought it was, like, the coolest thing. It was, like, I can't believe I'm on this stage playing against some of my favorite players like Ted Ginn Jr. 
And I remember how fast he was in Ohio State, and that's what I loved. I loved the speed. Like, I mean, Peyton Manning playing against him, Tom Brady, TB, gosh. I would say some, let me see, some linebackers out there. Even like Kush, I mean, playing with him on that side, you know, terrorizing people, which is just insane. So (laughs) um, on the field, right? Yeah, on the field, (laughs) on the field. (laughs) I mean, maybe off the field. (laughs) Some rookies like myself. Yeah. So it was like the coolest thing ever just to be able to play with some some guys that I've grown up watching. It's got to be wild. Yeah, it's like the coolest feeling. It's just like, dang, I can't believe I made it to this level. I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe, you know, the funny thing is back then, like in high school, I never thought about making it to the NFL. Sure. Honestly, I was just thinking about I need to get a scholarship so I could go to school free, mm-hmm. get an education and all that. And, you know, yeah, it'd be cool to, you know, get drafted and everything. And so uh, it's so funny that, you know, in college, I, one thing led to another. And now 10 years into the NFL, it's crazy. It's going by like that, huh? Yeah. What's your favorite exercise in the weight room and what's your least favorite weight room exercise? Favorite exercise in the weight room? I have to say single leg squats. Okay. Yeah. I know some people don't hate the, the hate and love leg day. Least favorite would have to be like incline bench or dumbbell incline bench. I hate that. How come? I don't even know. It, it's just like, ah, oh, man, my shoulders just aren't strong like they used to. I mean, huh. That's it, yeah. Because I could bench heavy, but incline bench, I used to be able to throw up like 315 when I was in uh, college. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, wow. Uh, yeah, man, it, it can't do it. Plus all those hits, too. Yeah, that'll that'll take its toll on you, huh? Yeah, yeah. Week it's week five, and I've done this now five times. This this Drew's dozen. All five of you that I've asked that question of, yeah, you've all said squat. Every single you, Tyrod Taylor, Davis Mills, Danny Amendola, all of you have said squats. Yes, (laughs) our favorite. All of you, man. It's because man, you know what it is. It's a compound exercise. It makes you feel strong. Well, why is it? What? What? Man, look, you get to make your quads look. Nice. I'm telling you, the detail, the definition in there. When you when you flex, oh my gosh, you throw on it like. I know you've seen some guys throw on it like not at practice, short shorts. Right. Yeah, there are a lot of yeah, you yeah. dudes. Yeah, there's a lot of dudes that wear short shorts on this team. Oh yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. And so when your quads look right, oh man, it, it, it's solid. <laughs> oh, it's uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, what's the greatest invention ever? Greatest invention ever. That's a good question. Mm. AC. All right, that's a yeah. good. That's especially that, a good one in Houston. Yeah, facts. Yeah, facts. Can you imagine what it must have been like living? I mean, yeah, we love Houston, but living here before AC. Think about that. Look here, Arizona. Oh yeah, yeah like those yeah. two. Mm-hmm. Like it's just Florida. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah oh, man. Like back in the, what did you call it? Like nineteen hundred, like early nineteen hundred. Yeah, I mean, I think 1700s? it was like the fifties. I mean, I think yeah. it was the nineteen fifties around there. I, we could be getting blown up on Twitter when this comes out because facts. we're off uh, yeah. historically. But anyways. <laughs> That's a good one. I will take that over sliced bread, which is what Davis Mills said. That's a good one, but I'll take AC. I can live without sliced bread. I can slice my own bread. Yeah. All right, let's wrap this up with some Halloween questions coming up. Okay. What's your favorite Halloween candy? Man, Butterfingers. Butterfingers, least favorite. Least favorite. It's either candy corn. Gosh, what else is that trash out there? Is it, it's a, don't they got those like little peanuts that's like kind of like uh, soft or whatever? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, or, peanuts, right? Man, I, I can't. It, I can't remember what it, it's like. These like little peanuts that are just like soft. They're kind of pink looking. Oh yes, you yeah, know what I know I'm what talking. You, about? I know what you're talking. Yeah, I don't even know what don't those know are. Yeah, yeah, those are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, what's the best Halloween costume you ever had? Man, best one I ever had. Man, I'm really terrible at those. So no. Oh, act being kiss with uh, linebackers. You know, like oh yeah, you know, yeah a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's a good one. Yeah. That is a good. One. Are you gonna dress up this year? Ah uh, man, you know what? 
We'll see. We'll see if somebody decides to have like you know a Halloween like shindig or something like that. It's a put be a post game party. Yeah, because you guys play on Halloween. Yeah, yeah true. Noon on Halloween. True. All right. Well, Whitney, it's always fun talking with you. Best of luck this week. Thanks so much, and um, keep doing those squats, right? Oh yeah, no problem, man. Got to make the quads look good. You might want to <laughs> hop on that program. Whitney Merciless, you're the best, man. Thanks. Oh uh, no problem. Appreciate it. Love those two dudes, man. They are fantastic Texans and good friends. All right, we get back. It's time for a new friend. Terrence Mitchell is going to join the show on a deep slant interview of the week right here on Texas All Access. Our sponsor, Houston Methodist, would like to remind you that mammograms save lives. Did you know that one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer over the course of her lifetime? Visit HoustonMethodist.org slash pink to learn more. That's HoustonMethodist.org slash pink to learn more. And I bring that up because this weekend is our Pink Ribbon Day. In fact, I think it's the only October game. Well, we do have one October 31st, but in the heart of October, this is the only October game we have because the next two are on the road. The first one was on the road at Buffalo, so three of the four on the road. So this is our Pink Ribbon Day brought to you by Kroger. Texas co-founder, senior chair, and breast cancer survivor Janice McNair will serve as the coin toss captain alongside members of the Texans family who have also beat breast cancer. Breast cancer survivor Elizabeth Weiss will lead the team out of the tunnel as this week's home field advantage captain. She was diagnosed with breast cancer shortly after her 40th birthday and underwent multiple rounds of chemo, a double mastectomy, and reconstructive surgery during the COVID-19 pandemic. Weiss will celebrate being cancer-free by ringing the end of treatment bell on field in front of her family, friends, and Texans fans. Man, that is awesome. I absolutely love that. I will be in tears. I can, I'm, I'm in tears now thinking about that. That is absolutely fantastic stuff. So Pink Ribbon Day presented by Kroger will be on Sunday against the New England Patriots. All right, it's time for our Deep Slant interview of the week with our good friend D.P. Sidhu. And this week, it's Money Mitch. Yeah, Terrence Mitchell. This is going to be fun stuff. D.P. Sidhu with Terrence Mitchell. D.P., take it away. It's the Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity. My guest this week, Terrence Mitchell, defensive back, year eight. Terrence, you've started every game for the Texans that you've been here for. You actually started every game last year as well. And I was looking through all the teams that you've played for. You've had like a crazy journey in the NFL. So 2014, you get drafted. Can you, do you remember all the teams that you've been with since 2014 to now? Yeah. Can you, can you list them? Okay. So I jotted them down, so I'll, I'll yeah, see, make I got sure you're drafted right. drafted to Dallas, then got cut from Dallas, went to Chicago, and then went back to Dallas. Then from Dallas, went to Houston in 2016. Then from Houston, went to Kansas City. Then from Kansas City to uh, Cleveland, and from Cleveland back here. Back to Houston again. Yeah. Like you made a couple of double stops in some of these places. What? Yeah. How wild has it been just from 2014 to now to see where you started? I know there were a lot of times where you weren't even on practice squad, but you're inactive, and now you're a starter here for this Texans defense. Well, you know, it's just been a grind, and, um, you know, just – Luckily, I have a strong faith in good people around me to keep my mind right. Just to continue to help me just keep grinding. And, you know, it's, sometimes it doesn't start off right, but it's always about to finish. And I'm still working. All right. Well, you came back here to Houston after being here in 2016. You mentioned that. You were here for training camp. 
And then this offseason, you were a free agent, so you could have signed anywhere. So why did you want to sign back in Houston again? Well, I mean, it's, it was the best opportunity for me. And Nick, Big Nick, and, and the staff, you know, I mean, anybody that believes in you, like for me to have somebody that believes in me, that's big to me. So, you know, there was no hesitation. I just come here to do my best and try to help us win games. Big Nick. I like that for Nick Casario. Yeah. Uh, we're going to start calling him that. You yeah. just started something. <laughs> All right, you're back with Farrell Brown. You're with him at Oregon. You're with him at Cleveland. You're with him in Houston. Talk about full circle moments to be with another player through this wild journey of yours. Oh, uh, yeah. Shoot. Um, Farrell, me and Farrell go way back. He was my uh, weightlifting partner when we was in college. Is that right? Yeah, I was my boy. <laughs> you yeah. weightlifted together? Yeah, you know, we used to grind. He was a hard worker. I was a hard worker, so we just connected did you pick up where you left off now that you're in houston together oh yeah for sure lightweight yeah okay so when you were at oregon actually i saw that recently you graduated from yeah. oregon you yeah. were at oregon a while ago but you just got your diploma yeah so how close were you to graduating mm, i was probably off probably like a semester that's it yeah and so then what what made you want to go back and finish it this semester well i always wanted to my mom wanted me to and it was just also, to my lady, she she has her degree, and um, she put. I had to, I had to step up because we got a daughter, so we both had to have. You gotta have your matching diplomas. Yeah. What did you get your diploma in? Uh, social science. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Okay, so you also have a clothing brand called mm -hmm. Thirty Nine, yeah. which is really lucky because I was worried that if you didn't get Thirty Nine here, what would you have done? Would you have? <laughs> I would have changed it. Paid for it. <laughs> you would have. You're like I've got too much uh, on the line. What sort of clothing do you? Uh, uh, just like uh, graphic tees, hats, and stuff like that. I wish I had some on me right now, but I'm going to have some for game day for okay. sure. Okay. I was yeah. like, next time you're on camera, you got to be wearing that. Yeah. All right. You've got one of the coolest nicknames, Money Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love the shirt that you wore a few weeks back. It had money all over it uh, for yeah. one of the games. <laughs> so how did you get this amazing nickname? Uh, shoot. I just delivered the goods. Uh, <laughs> Rather, you know, sports or anything, you know, it's not all about money, you know. You know, money is just coming, cash on delivery, just delivering the goods when it's needed. It's figurative. You're not really delivering money. You're delivering your yeah, love, good play, love, love play, so anything. Did this start in college or was this an NFL nickname? College, definitely college. Um, it really kind of came from uh, Paid in Full. This movie called Paid, Paid in Full. Paid in Full, it's a movie? Okay. Yeah, you got to check that out. Okay, I will watch Paid in Full. All right, so... You're not the first person with money as a nickname for a celebrity. So I came up with a few nicknamed celebrities that have money in their name, and I want you to rank them, okay? Okay. Young Money, Moneybag Yo, Ty Dolla Sign, 50 Cent, and Johnny Cash. Worst to best money nickname. Oh, man. Well, Young Money, that's Lil Wayne in them, so that got number one. Okay. And I'll follow by... I'm going to go with my boy uh, Ty Dollar just because he's from Cali. Then Moneybag, yo, he raw. Oh, 50 Cent tight, too. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of hard, honestly. And Johnny Cash, he a player. I don't know. I know. That's his name name. Yeah, that's tight. Uh, Johnny okay. Cash, that, that's hard. That's hard. You just like everybody with the nickname Money, don't you? I really you? do, I guess. Yeah, that was hard. That was hard. Well, yeah. you know, that that's why it's a money nickname. Yeah. It's a great nickname to have. I heard a story when you were in Cleveland that you showed up to a radio show and you were eating French fries, and you got yourself a French fry deal. Yeah. How did that happen? Man, they had some, um, they had some good uh, checkers rallies, some seasoned fries, and some uh, some little chicken nuggets. It was good. Y'all ain't got no food here. <laughs> yeah, oh, had, okay. You I, want? I ate them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 McDonald's, somebody. Yeah, you know what? 
we have a partnership with Whataburger. Oh, man, I love them honey chicken uh, biscuits. You do? They have fr- hey, they have fries, too. Yeah, Maybe no. they might need a fry spokesperson. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to get a fry deal or a deal with Whataburger, maybe you should like yeah. you should like look into that camera and pitch it. Whataburger, I love them honey chicken biscuits. This camera. Whataburger, I love them no, honey chicken. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Uh, okay, go ahead. Go I love it. the honey chicken biscuits and the breakfast. I like your whole menu. Whataburger, you got a fan of me. Okay, I like it. I feel like I feel like good things could happen for you because you've done the fry deal before. Like. What makes you? What makes a good spokesperson? Oh, you gotta just be you gotta just be eating it. the fries and eating you, the food all the you time. You gotta be able to sell and let them know how good <laughs> it is. You know, I'm, I've had some Whataburger fries. They are good. Do you do you like it with the dipping sauce? Oh yeah, I'm a big sauce guy. Barbecue, honey mustard, ketchup. Yeah, they've got yeah. a couple different ketchups they got too. The sauce. They got the spicy. They got the fancy. Okay, well, I feel like we gotta we gotta work on a fry deal for you to just like welcome you to Houston. Come on. He wanted some food here. We were not prepared, but maybe we could hook you up. All right, what about this Texan secondary? They moved some they moved some people around here recently, so now you're playing opposite Desmond King. How's that been for you so far? It's been cool, you know. Um, it's the NFL, you know, everybody's here able. You know, next man up, that's the mentality all the time. And I once was a guy thrown into a secondary where you know, they was asked about me and things like that. But, you know, everybody's able to hold their own and do what they have to do to allow us to win games. All right, good stuff. Looking forward to seeing what the rest of the year has in store for you. Terrence, Money Mitchell, and hopefully one day a Whataburger spokesperson. I thought that was great. I, I think that they just need to have this guy as a spokesperson. I appreciate that. All right, thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. I'm telling you, that dude is a total ride. I said earlier that – the, the Bills did their mic'd up last week on Josh Allen. So Josh is from California. So after the Bills had scored a touchdown, Terrence Mitchell's run off the field and he stops. He looks at Josh and he says, and this is all caught on mic'd up because obviously Josh is mic'd up. He says, where in California are you from? And Josh goes, Fresno. And he goes, oh, man, I'm Sacktown. And then they gave themselves, dapped each other up, hugged, and ran off the field. I was like, that is such a, that is such a perfect Terrence Mitchell moment. Uh, very, very tough afternoon, uh, but Mitch found a way to kind of smile through it uh, and get himself ready uh, for this game against the New England Patriots, a big test against a bunch of big receivers for the New England Patriots. Now, how are the Texans going to get that win? Well, I have my keys to the game next to give you the best path to win over the Patriots right here at Texans All Access. Hey, we have got a lot of fans out there today, but I've got to give some props to today's biggest Houston fan, Dykin. These guys are doing big things in Houston. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Dykin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. As the world's number one air conditioning company, Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. Learn more at perfectingtheair.com. That's perfectingtheair.com. It's Daikin. Welcome back to this edition of Texans All Access. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And it's time for my keys to the game. Let's crank up my music because I love to have my music going. Yes, that just gets me in the mood. And if you're wondering, yes, 
It gets me in the mood. All right, here we go. Patriots, one in three. They beat the Jets in week two, but they have lost to the Dolphins at home. Saints at home. Bucks at home. Wow. One in three, and they lost all three home games. And now they take on the Houston Texans. This is the second game this year in the NFL featuring a matchup of rookie quarterbacks. The first one was that win for the Patriots over the Jets in which Mac Jones took on Zach Wilson. This will be Mac Jones versus Davis Mills. Let's start with the Texans' defense against the Patriots' offense. Key number one, Mac the Knife. That used to be a 50 song. I just always used to hear that, Mac the Knife. My best friend in high school was named Mac Jones. And when he, we played a game on the road one night, I remember the, the opposing crowd was taunting him with that song, Mac the Knife. And I don't know, he only had like two points or something. It was weird. Anyways, Patriots rookie quarterback Mac Jones. The Mac the Knife is perfect for him because he's a surgeon. He, diab- he diabolically cuts up defenses, and you can really see that against Tampa Bay because his, his recall and his IQ are just incredible, and his processing speed is off the charts. He completed 19 straight passes the other night against the Buccaneers in the rain, outside. Now it's going to be a beautiful day inside. He's got his, all his receivers ready to go. He is going to be very difficult to stop. The Texans are going to have to disrupt that processing speed in some way, shape, or form. And what could help is a little bit of offensive line issue for the Patriots. Number two, the Spider-Man meme. We've all seen the Spider-Man meme, right? Where the two Spider-Men are like pointing at each other to indicate they're the same thing. Well, the Patriots run game and the Texans run game are essentially one and the same right now. They combined last week for 47 yards on 26 carries. Neither one can run the football effectively. But the Texans have to ensure that on Sunday and take away any threat of the run game that could help Mac Jones. Absolutely without question. And one of the reasons the Patriots haven't run the ball well is the play of the left side of their line. Now, Isaiah Wynn and Michael Onwenu have been good at different points in their career. Onwenu was excellent last year. He's the number one rated guard on PFF. Uh, prior to the Sunday night game. But he didn't play well. He got benched. Then Isaiah Wynn and Michael Onwenu got put on COVID. Now, I don't know if they'll get back for the game. If not, the Texans have to obliterate this offensive line. Absolutely obliterate it. And they have to do that because the next key is all about the tight ends. Back in 2010, I think it was, the Patriots, with Bill O'Brien as offensive coordinator, Drafted both Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez in the same draft. I thought, what are they doing with two tight ends? Well, they changed the game by putting two athletic guys at tight end that didn't have to be on the field for just – they could be together on the field, but it didn't have to be short yardage. They would go 12 personnel, and they were just as lethal in 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, as they were in 11 personnel, one back, one tight end because those guys had receiving qualities. Well, that's the same thing they've got right now with Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. Those guys are animals. Henry is second on the team in receptions with 14. They both had touchdowns last week. John Smith has 13 catches. Smith, we've seen before, playing for the Titans, they just tossed him the ball on a, on a, uh, as a running back. He went 61 yards in the game against them in 2019 that we had to have. And we were dominating the game. He catches that. He goes 61 yards. 
The Titans scored a few plays later, and you thought, wow, Smith and Henry could be an absolute problem. And last and certainly not least, the Patriots will try anything. For a long time, they would not take the ball out of Tom Brady's hands to throw it. But then they had Julian Edelman, former college quarterback, and he was very good. Well, now they've got Jacoby Myers, former high school quarterback, and they will let him throw the football. In fact, he had two passes on Sunday night against the Bucks, and he dropped a dime on one of them. When 16's in the game and he starts going back around like a reverse, that's going to be a pass. Keep your eye on number 16, former high school quarterback Jacoby Myers. Now let's flip it over to the Patriots defense. Number one key is a key every single year gets the Patriots for long, as long as he's there, and that's Lawrence Guy. Number 93 has been a thorn in the side of the Texans no matter what. Even when the Texans have won t- the last two games, he is Always, always, always a massive problem. A massive problem. Lawrence guy has got to be taken care of up front. Number two, big story this week was Stephon Gilmore being released, uh, traded to the Carolina Panthers. It sounds like he's happy, and that's good. But they also have, at the other corner, potentially best in the league, J.C. Jackson. That dude is competitive. He is tough. He's got great ball skills. He is quick. He is physical. He's everything you want in a corner. J.C. Jackson as Brandy Cooks is worth the price of admission for sure. Number three key, from 99 to 9, and that's Matthew Judon. When he was with the Baltimore Ravens, Matthew Judon wore number 99. Now he wears number 9 with the Patriots, and he is a monster. The Texans have got to find a way to block him effectively. Even with Larry Tunsil on the left side, they might, like they did against the Browns, a little bit, not all the time, not all the time like Miles Garrett wanted to tell you, but a few times they had to chip on Garrett. They may have to chip on Judon to slow him down. The Patriots will bring some different stuff to try and get Judon free, and that could be an issue. Number four, let's call him the captain. That's Devin McCourty. In all those games starting in 2015, now McCourty came in the league in 2011, 2010. He's been in the league for a while. He's played 12 years. I started down on the sidelines in 2014, so the first game was 2015. And I just watched McCourty in the middle of the field and how he managed, how he navigated the middle of the field, how he captained his group in the secondary. He's still doing it. And with a rookie quarterback like Davis Mills, he can bait him into making a throw. I saw it happen with a guy who had started in the league in Brock Osweiler in 2016. He just baited Brock into making a throw, then went up and picked it in the Thursday night game in 2016. He can do the same to a rookie quarterback in Davis Mills. So keep an eye. Number 32, Devin McCourty. And number five, last and certainly not least, but it's been a key for the last three weeks. Please, 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 please get Davis Mills comfortable. I don't care what it has to be. Good running game, excellent protection, quick throws, success early. I don't care. Get him going early and get him comfortable. That's the key. All right, we're going to talk a little bit more about this game with my in-the-lab part of Drew Doherty. That's next on Texans All Access. We got one hour down, one hour left to go on this edition of Texas All Access, a Friday edition, a TGIFFFF edition. Thank God it's, you can fill in all the Fs, but just make sure the last one is football. Friday edition, football Friday. Well, I guess the last word has to be Friday, but uh, you get the point. They got it's Friday. Oh my gosh. And what a beautiful night it is. Astros up 2-0. As they take down the Chai Sox 9-4 with a, I think it was the sixth inning. They just, I mean, it was nuts. 
trying to get through that order. I, I sort of felt for the White Sox in, in some regard, but then I kind of didn't because I don't like Tony La Russa. So that was uh, a great day for the Astros, and hopefully Sunday will be a great day for your Houston Texans as they take on the New England Patriots, the one and three New England Patriots. So battle of one and three teams, and one of those teams is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite over the other one. We'll see how that goes. Well, Drew Doherty and I did our in the lab thing, as we are wont to do, to talk about this and much else. Here we go. Drew and John in the lab. Time now for an in the lab with me, Drew Doherty, and the placid, serene, never ruffled, just having a great day, John Harris. How you doing, buddy? I'm having a great day, man. I'm serene. I need to implore all our listeners, all the people watching this, to join me and give John a big virtual hug. He's having a tough morning with Wi-Fi connectivity. And, oh, uh, my gosh. Yes. We're going to soldier through it. We're going to be all right. We're going to try and talk about our Texans. It was a tough one on Sunday. It was one of those UGLY, you ain't got no alibi games. <laughs> and that happens. That's all right. You're yeah. going to have one of those. It's not all right, but uh, you're going to have yeah. those. It's not much fun. Um, as an aside... We have a six-month-old, my wife and I, and her name's Lucy. And so we do the L-U-C-Y. You ain't got no alibi. You're Lucy. You're Lucy. My kids love that. The other they're yeah. a bit older siblings. And so they they sing it now. Anyways, let's get ready. Let's let's flush that one. And let's talk about what's coming to town in the New England mm-hmm. Patriots. This is a really weird setup. If you think about it, it still seems weird that Tom Brady's not there, even though he won there yeah. last year. You saw Cam Newton last year. You got a rookie quarterback. So on the on the surface, you're like, let's go, rookie quarterback. This rookie quarterbacks look pretty darn good. And um, it's almost like, how is he looking this good, knowing what's around him and mm-hmm. and all that? But last year you saw Cam Newton. And when you think about Cam Newton with the Patriots last season, you don't really have too much good to say. But if you look at the stat line for him in that game, he was really impressive. I really mean, good. Quarterback rating over 100, didn't turn the ball over, had a touchdown pass. I mean, he completed, I think, 75% of his passes, yet the Texans won that game, and they weren't really, really challenged ultimately. I mean, they kind of – it was like a light challenge there at the end, but let's talk about what is coming to town with the Mac. What do you think about what you've seen from him, and how can the Texans exploit or attack what he's done to maybe get this team a W and get back in the win column? First of all, it's really, really weird because one of my best friends in high school, his name was Mac Jones, <laughs> and he ended up playing baseball at Baylor. And so we had, we had a, a little reunion uh, of our uh, high school, you know, kind of friends class. We got together about 12 to 15 guys last year, probably. It was before one of the home games. I think it may have been the indie home game. We're all playing golf. And so um, I wasn't playing because I had just had my back surgery. So I was just kind of sniping everybody. And and I kept joking with like, hey, Mac, you can win the Heisman, you know? And he, of course, played along with it. And Mac almost won the Heisman, the Alabama Mac, not the Baylor and my good friend Mac. And he, he maybe looking back, maybe you should have. I don't know. Devontae Smith was really good. But the point being, and I, I think you you heard this you know, from everybody uh, throughout that studied Alabama. I, I The one thing that really through the draft process that you're not – from my perspective that I, that I don't get a chance to do is to kind of sit down with these guys, go up to the whiteboard myself and kind of 
throw them topics or, you know, listen to them talk ball in some sense. And, you know, the teams get a chance to do that with scouts and personnel and all that kind of stuff. But that really was, I think, one of his um, – I think it, it, is, it is his elite trait because it's not his arm, it's not his feet, but his mind is at a whole different level. And when you think about the value of coaching – Mac Jones played his high school ball at a place called the Bowl School, and I know it very right. well. He played for Jacksonville, guy, Florida. Yeah, Jacksonville, Florida. He played for a guy by the name of Corky Rogers. He he's arguably arguably one of the top ten high school coaches that's ever coached. He's he's phenomenal, uh, and a phenomenal guy, and a phenomenal story, and hard on his quarterbacks, very hard. And Mac learned a lot playing for Corky. I would imagine he then went and played for Nick Saban. Um, uh, we know Nick Saban sure. tough on his quarterbacks. He had Steve Sarkeesian as offensive coordinator. He had Mike Loxley before that. You know, he's had great coaching. And now all of a sudden he goes up to New England. He's got Josh McDaniels and he's got uh, Bill Belichick. I mean, you can't have a better coaching situation than Mac Jones has had. You throw that in there with his confidence. You throw that in there with his understanding, his understanding of the game. And you've got a guy that understands at an elite level what's going on out on a field. Now, does that mean it's going to translate all the time? No, because what Mac doesn't have, he doesn't have elite scramble ability. He doesn't have the ability to get out of the pocket and do a bunch of things out of the pocket. Although he's not a tree sloth. He is not a guy um, that you can just say, okay, he's not going to run. He's not Phillip Rivers. You know, Phillip got in the pocket and, you know, Philip ever escaped it. It was, you know, you could time with a sundial, you know, the same with, with Tom Brady, they would get out of the pocket and do some things like Tom did the other night, but it was so infrequent, but you know, Max a decent athlete, but he's not, he's not going to scare you like cam from that perspective. He's not going to scare you like Josh Allen, like we saw last week from that perspective, but what Mac is going to do. And I think a great example of this, I did a telestrator on this uh, earlier today and you'll see it on Sunday at KPRC game day the way that he processes and how fast he processes, you know, that was even something we could see at the senior bowl. You could just see him kind of going through reads and such and seeing it up close. Like, Whoa, wow. How did he get to that receiver? How did he make that particular? How do you know that guy was open? How do you know? And then you watch him with the Patriots and he has a touchdown throw to Hunter Henry. And it's like the, the uh, Henry made an adjustment on the play and it didn't matter because Mac checked one side. He then checked the second. Then he went to Henry. And Henry was his third, his third option. He hits Henry for a touchdown and gave them the lead. And he just looks so calm doing it. And I think that's what Mac Jones is bringing to that offense, a sense of calm. He's under yeah. control. Um, and I hope that it goes back to the Saints game when he threw three interceptions, not the game against the Bucs when he completed 19 passes in a row. Yeah, if he's processing information the way he, he did it the last game and – what you're talking about, if he's, he's, he's yep. the good Mac Jones and that, yep. like that's going to be good for any offense that you're in, in in the NFL, but that's especially perfect. And you're perfectly suited for that offense that they're running yep. up there. You know, the, 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 the decision-making and whatnot yep. there. So that's, it's interesting. It's also key that you bring up that point about, Hey, he's probably played for, you know, you can argue the best NFL coach ever and the best college coach ever. And he's yep. done that consecutively. That's pretty amazing. And I mean, I can't speak to the high school guy, but you're, clearly high on him and know oh, yeah. a lot about him and he's uh he's gone you know kind of in in stepping stones to these guys that's pretty yep. pretty amazing you, you got to think you absorb quite a bit so what are some keys texans wise defensively that they can do to kind of rattle them because one thing that i i did like about what i saw in buffalo 
you look at 40 to nothing, you think, well, yeah, your offense, Disaster, clearly, yeah. your offense clearly didn't do anything. And, oh, you gave up 40, so your defense must have sucked. Yeah. I don't think you can say that about, no. about that. I mean, five turnovers. So that means you're probably at a disadvantage field position-wise in a lot of those, and you were. Yep. But they got the ball loose. It didn't pop their way. But, again, they got the ball loose, and that is going to pay off. It's going to happen. The balls are going to bounce your way at some point. I know you can't predict that because it's, you know, the oblong ball and yep. points on each end, but you got to think law of averages is going to come back to you. And it's something that Lovey's preached. It's uh, something that clearly has been the strength of this defense is getting the ball out. And, and until this weekend, they were above water. And when it comes to turnover differential, but what, what are two things Texans got to do defensively to make this a victory? Well, I think the first thing, you know, we talk about, Mac, I, I've still, even at that point, you still got to try and challenge him with, with some different things. Um, and, and that doesn't always mean the blitz. I think one thing, especially watching a lot of college football um, this year, not, I always watch a lot of college football, but yeah. I have seen a lot of college football teams. They're still bringing what you call sim pressures or creepers in which you show one look, and then some guys come from the back, whereas, uh, you know, other, other times you show a bunch of guys up front and then those guys drop. You know, you see a lot of that kind of stuff. And I think you might see some of that from the Texans. You know, they did some of that, um, you know, years past. You know, you'd see Zach Cunningham and Roger McKinney show. And then sometimes they drop. Sometimes they start to drop. And then one would rush. You know, different things. You just have to kind of keep mixing up. But in college football, one of the things that I've seen a lot of um, is rush three, drop eight. And what it's demanding of the college quarterbacks is you got eight guys in coverage and you're like, dang it, how do I, how do I stick this ball into a really tight spot? And that's one thing that quarterbacks don't really want to do. They don't want to have to try and throw it into like a two by two square. You know, they want their guy to be in man coverage or, you know, they want one less guy clogging it up. Well, when you're rushing three and dropping eight, then there's, there's not a lot of opportunity to find, anything other than your checkdowns. You're saying, hey, take the check down and we'll come up and rally up and tackle. Now, with Lovey, I wouldn't imagine they'll they'll drop eight. But they'll drop seven a decent amount of time. And those guys are going to heads on swivels. Yeah, He loves those four up front trying yep. to win, get one and of them I, to win one-on-one. Yeah, and I, and I don't mind because they are winning. Those guys yeah. are winning up, up front. They are getting some, some wins up there now. It has to happen probably a little bit quicker. But they are getting to the quarterback with, with some of that uh, four-man rush. But when those seven guys drop, They've got to be active. They can't just be staring at the quarterback. They've got to continue to, all right, where's this receiver headed? Where's this guy? Okay, I know this is where my spot I'm supposed to drop in the zone, but I've really got to keep my head in a swivel for what's happening behind me. I can't get high load. I got to make sure I take away the high. If I give the low, I can rally up and make a tackle. Um, and I think, you know, the way that Lovey calls his defense and, and plays his defense, it just it demands of you to be smart, fast, and a good tackler. And I don't want to say that's not asking a whole lot. It's, it's not. So if you're that, if you can be smart and, and making sure that you're getting to your drop point and then you're eyeing the receivers that could get there, the linebackers got to do a better job of this. Christian does a decent job of it and almost came up with a pick last week and he timed his, his leap a little bit better. But get to your drop point, locate the receivers. And again, it is a rookie, so he hasn't seen everything. Maybe you can bait him into throwing you one. And maybe after he throws you one, maybe his confidence is shaken. Maybe he throws you a second one. And all of a sudden, he starts thinking about that Saints game 
That's in his head. And maybe an avalanche comes at that point. If you oh, get yeah, an opportunity, if you get an opportunity to get back there to bruise him up and beat him up a little bit, that's fine. Now he's going to get rid of the football. He will get rid of the football, and that's where you might need to take advantage of it. Hey, he's trying to get rid of one because he knows he's getting pressure, and somebody steps in front, takes it to the house. I mean, that that kind of game changing play could end up being a really big deal for this team this week. You could use a, an avalanche like you had in week one because you went from being atop the table turnover differential to now you're tied for 18th basically and i yeah. sent an email to uh, you and dp and um mark it's kind of like dork thing i do every year but uh <laughs> on a weekly basis i kind of chart it where is, the texans are it is appreciated though Thanks. i hope yeah. you know that it is well appreciated bro but the texans are now minus one on the season in turnover differential because they got i mean it, then an avalanche go against them last yeah. last sunday in buffalo so now they're tied for 18th they're one ahead of however the Patriots. So they're minus one on the season. New England is minus two. So, hey, keep the mojo working. Keep slapping the ball loose when you're on defense and maybe come yep. up with a pick or two and you can uh, you can do good things against this quarterback. You know, it's interesting you say that. It's interesting you say that, Drew, about continuing to do that. Those two fumbles. Now, Josh Allen fumbled it once. He got it back on a, on a snap exchange. Yeah. But both times the ball came out in the second half. Both Desmond King and Terrence Mitchell purposely punched it out. Yes. They punched out that. I mean, that's a technique that they're using. They've learned and they're using, and it's really coming to fruition. Sure. And unfortunately, on one of those, Malik Collins going over to hustle and the tackle, kicked the ball, and he kicked mm -hmm. it right back into the, the body of a Bills player. It happens. But it's not as if the Bills guy just running and, you know, took a, you know, a tackle and fumbled it. No, these guys are purposely going in and punching it out and having uh, some pretty good reward by getting the ball out. It's just a matter of now can you get on one or two of those and kind of flip it and go in the other direction. But, you know, the thing about, you know, talk, talk about Mac Jones and this offense, the one thing that this offense really can't do, Drew, for the Patriots is run the ball effectively. They ran for, I think, minus one yard the other night. I mean, a minus one yard. I mean, our, our run game has been deplorable to watch. It's been awful. They had minus one yard with – you know, Damian Harris, who I think is a pretty good back in an offensive line that's pretty darn good. So, in all honesty, this one might come down to which team can actually do something on the ground and help out its rookie quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, Texans, uh, they need a boost there as far as running the football because, like you said, running backs have just not gotten the yardage. You know, they're under three yards of carry. And um, you know, they've talked about wanting this to be the identity of the team on offense is being able to run yep. the ball. And, you know, it's just gone – down week by week since week one. I love getting the opportunity to do our In the Lab podcast with my man, Drew Doherty. That's one of the more fun things I look forward to each and every week. Go check out the podcast we have at our podcast page. All right, we get back. All of my picks. That's right, baby. Predictions time next. Right here at Texas All Access. All right, all right, all right. I'm calling all my Houston area teachers out there. First of all, have one heck of a weekend. Saturday and Sunday off. Enjoy it. Not having all those little uh, crumb snatchers running around. It's always good to have the weekend. But you know what? Go out there and support the football team. Go out and support athletics. Go out and support band. Go get it done this weekend. Go help out your school by doing that. But I got a question for you. Do you want to bring a little Texas football to your classroom? I know you do. Then sign up for Toro's Mattress, presented by ConocoPhillips. I love our good friends over at ConocoPhillips. Toro's Mattress. 
It's a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. All you got to do is go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toros Math Drills, no apostrophes, all together, one big word, Toros Math Drills, to learn more. Welcome back to the show and potentially my, not potentially, it is my favorite segment all week. Because A, I talk for a long time and I sort of like that because then it keeps my brain from getting in the way. And it's predictions time. It's the most competitive thing that I do, and that's what's most important. I love being competitive, and I get to compete with myself, with my picks. In fact, I walked in, I had lunch today with a friend, and walked in his office, was having lunch with him, and another one of our friends walked in the office, and he goes, hey, you're not doing so well in your picks. I'm like... I haven't even made them today. I haven't even made my picks today. I haven't done my college picks. You got to go check out my college picks. They'll be ready in the morning. Footballtakeover.com. Go check them out. I think last night I got all of them straight up. I don't think I got the Cougs against the spread. I was really upset about that. Cougs look good. Good job for the Houston Cougars. Five and one. Dana getting it done. Love everybody over at University of Houston. Chris Pesman. That's just awesome that they get it done. On the road, two Thursdays in a row. Well, wait. One was a Friday, one was a Thursday. So they played Friday at Tulsa, won that, smoked Tulsa. Then they went to Tulane and smoked Tulane. Cougs got it going on. Really, really fun to watch. But this is about the NFL. And this is about making picks in the NFL straight up and against the spread. Now, I know some people are like, well, that's gambling, John. No, this is just the way that I like to talk about the games. And sometimes... There's a baseline needed to talk about the game. Like, how do we know Jets and Falcons? Like, okay, Jets and Falcons. But if I tell you the Falcons are two-and-a-half-point favorites in London, that gives you sort of a frame of reference. Like, hmm, okay, let me rock and roll with that. Well, I'm going to rock and roll with that, but I need my music, my sort of rock and roll music, to get us going with my predictions. And we are going to start in London. Tally-ho! Is that something you still say in London? I don't know. But we are going to start in London as the Jets are taking on the Falcons. The Jets got win number one last week, and thank you, Zach Wilson and Robert Sala. The Jets knocked off the Titans at home. 27-24 in overtime. Titans had an opportunity to kick a field goal, but Randy Bullock pushed it wide left. The Jets won that game. The Falcons... Having gotten a win earlier, uh, or last, or not not last week, week four against the Giants, ended up getting uh, getting smacked last week, and so the Falcons fell to one and three as the Jets moved to one and three, and they go to London, and I would imagine Vegas looks at London as a neutral field, and they give the Falcons a two and a half point edge. I think that's probably about right. I think I'm going to roll Falcons here. Going over to London, it's a tough trip. But I don't think that it's so incredibly tough that a rookie can't go over there and win, especially coming off a game in which he played very well against the Titans. I think the bigger deal here is just the Falcons, I think, have a better overall defense than the Titans. But that's just what I perceive from afar. So I think the Jets will put up some points. I think the Falcons will put up more. And I think they will put up more 
than two and a half above the Jets. So we're going with the Falcons to win in London and the Falcons to cover that two and a half. All right, let's come back to the States. That game will be at 8.30 local time here in Houston. I think it's like 2.30 over there. I think they're six hours ahead. Yeah, daylight savings time. Throw that math in there. That gets crazy. I know it's just an hour, but either way, that's 8.30 central time. Jets, Falcons. I love that game because we actually watch it in the stadium. Those London games are kind of cool because you can sit there and you can watch them in the stadium as they're going on as you're getting warmed up for the game. So uh, that should be a fun one over in London. Jets, Falcons. Matt Ryan, B. Zach Wilson of the Jets. This game, I guarantee when you put it on the schedule, you looked at it and went, eh, Packers-Bengals. This will be a blowout. However, both teams are 3-1. and one. I think people expected the Packers to be 3-1, and one, but the Bengals? 3-1? and one? Yeah. Spanked the Steelers. They beat the Vikings in the opener. They beat the Jaguars the other night on Thursday night, so they've had the mini-bye, and they get a visit from the Packers. But Green Bay is a three-point favorite in Cincinnati. So the question becomes, Green Bay on the road, how does that defense look against Joey Franchise, as C.J. Uzoma wants to call him? I think the Bengals will move the ball against the Packers pretty well. And I think the Bengals' defense is a bit underrated. But Trevor Lawrence got what he wanted, especially the first half. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to take what he wants. I don't think that three is enough. I think the Packers win this thing 38-31. Bengals keep it relatively close. But Rodgers wins it, goes for 400 large, and the Packers move to 4-1 and and cover that three-point spread in Cincinnati. Let's go to Minnesota. NFC North, NFC North. The Lions and the Vikings. Two old rivals. Noon kick. 0-4 versus 1-3. Minnesota's favored by 10. Now, the Minnesota's favored by 10 because Minnesota's playing at home. The Lions have played better. They should have won the game against Baltimore. I mean, should have won that game. And I think the hangover hit them the following week. And so they fell to 0-4. I don't think the Lions get inside the 10. I think this is 14. I think this is 31-17, 28-14. I think Vikings win and cover against the Detroit Lions. Let's go to Pittsburgh, where Ben Roethlisberger not only is in the process of breaking down, he is broken down. The Broncos got broken down last week in Denver. They got absolutely spanked, and Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. The Ravens ran and did whatever they wanted to on the Broncos. Broncos fell to 3-1. and one. In Pittsburgh, Denver's a one-point favorite. I feel like this is a, as Chris Berman used to say, a circle of wagons kind of game for the Steelers. And I think the Steelers, albeit not on the level with the Broncos, but I think this is one of those circle of wagon games for the Steelers. I know Denver's favored by one. It's basically a pick em. I think the Broncos are better overall in a neutral field. I would probably pick the Broncos. But this is one of those situations where the Steelers have to win. I'm going with the Steelers to upset Denver to get the win at Heinz Field and move the Steelers to 2-3 and while the Broncos fall to 3-2. and two. Let's go to Florida, where two Florida teams are playing. In fact, all three teams in Florida are playing in Florida. The Dolphins at 1-3 and three are going to take on Tampa Bay. 
Tampa Bay coming off a lackluster performance, but a win, and that's key, a win against the Patriots last week. The Dolphins coming in at 1-3 and and have struggled. Will Fuller went on IR uh, with a broken finger, broken hand. I mean, that guy just can't buy a break. Tampa Bay is favored by 10. I don't know if I love the 10 because I think the Dolphins will play hard. And the Buccaneers aren't completely there yet. Defensively, they're banged up. And Mac Jones didn't carve them up. Well, Mac Jones did what he wanted to the other night. So I'm going to go with the Dolphins to get inside the 10 with the Buccaneers to come away with the win. Dolphins falling to 1-4. and four. I'm not sure that I feel good about that or bad about that. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. But that's for a different discussion, I think, later on. Dolphins cover. Buccaneers win. Let's go to, well, it's not quite the nation's capital, but you get the point. The Washington football team, 2-2. Two and two. The New Orleans Saints, 2-2. Two and two. Vital game right here on both sides. New Orleans is favored by two and a half. I think the most mystifying thing to me about this Washington football team is where is the defense? What is this defense doing? Last week they gave up, uh, I think it was 30 points they gave up uh, to the Falcons. But Tyler Heineke put up 34 and Washington got a win, 34-30. At home, can the Washington football team's defense show up? If it can... I think it wins this thing by a touchdown. And you know what? I'm going to roll the dice on this. I'm rolling the dice with Washington. Even though New Orleans fair by two and a half, I think the Washington football team is going to get the dub for the dub. In the dub, either way, Washington wins, beats the Saints, covers the two and a half with a minor upset at home over the Saints. The Eagles are taking on the Panthers. Eagles at one and three. I would have thought this spread was going to be a little bit more. I, I think Vegas still just doesn't trust the Panthers just yet, even though offensively they're putting up points. They are putting up points. They scored 24 on us. They scored 28 in Dallas. They scored 27 the week before against the Saints. They're putting up some, some numbers offensively and I mean against the Cowboys a team with a pretty solid defense the Panthers moved the football and did a lot of really good things they just couldn't stop anybody which is weird that defense has been great but they were dealing without Justin Burris J.C. Horn broke his foot and is out for the year so they went and got Stephon Gilmore but he's on pup he can't play until weeks after week six so he can't play in this game I don't think it matters though I think the Eagles will give it a good fight but I don't think the Eagles are going to be able to handle the Panthers. I think the Panthers at home, this is a double-digit win. This is a 10-point win. I think it's 30-20, to 20, something in that neighborhood. I think Carolina gets all over the Eagles. I think that Panthers defense gets back up, atones for last week against the Dallas Cowboys, and beats the Eagles. Let's go 30-20. to 20. That's Carolina with a win, Carolina with a cover. Stay in Florida or go back to Florida. Because you got Dolphins at Bucks, and then you got Jacksonville with a home game. Jacksonville coming off a mini bye. <laughs> Wonder if Urban Meyer will uh, be at this game. Uh, anyways, the Titans come to town. The Titans at two and two. The Titans tripped all over themselves last week. Thankfully, 
up in New Jersey against the New York Jets. The J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Titans come in as a four-and-a-half-point favorite over an 0-4 football team. That is an absolute mess because it's almighty and all-powerful head coach has decided to act like an absolute chode. So, Titans, Jags, I'm taking the Titans to cover that four-and-a-half and to beat the Jags. It'll be interesting to see how the Jags respond. I don't think this is one of those situations where Jaguar players are just like, you know what, we're just going to go through the motions. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that whatsoever. But I don't think there's a high-level respect paid to Urban Meyer for all the things that have gone on since he's gotten there. But I think it's the Titans that will, well, no pun intended, run all over the Jaguars. With Derrick Henry returning to his hometown, relatively speaking, Uly, Florida is just north of Jacksonville, but it's considered a Jacksonville area. In fact, he showed up at his press conference wearing a Uly Hornets uh, baseball jersey and matching Jordans. He's awesome. I, I love Derrick Henry. I hate the fact he plays for the Titans. Derrick Henry will go wild in his hometown against the Jaguars, as he typically does. Titans win, Titans cover, unfortunately. Patriots and Texans, that's your last noon game. New England now an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Hopefully the Texans will obliterate that spread and get the dub against a team with potentially four offensive linemen out of that game. All right, let's move to the afternoon. And the first afternoon game is out in Las Vegas, the Khalil Mack Bowl. The Bears and Justin Fields, finally. I don't know who got to Matt Nagy. I don't know who said something in his ear. I don't know what it was. But all of a sudden, Matt Nagy went to Andy Dalton's our quarterback. Andy Dalton's QB1. Andy Dalton's our guy. And then this week, it's Justin Fields will be our starting quarterback moving forward. I don't know what happened. I know Justin played pretty well against the Lions last week. But the about face has been sort of interesting. So... I was glad that the Bears did it and just handed the ball to Justin Fields. But I think this is going to be too tough for him against the Las Vegas Raiders. I do think Fields will attack the Raiders down the field. I don't know if the Bears have really found themselves defensively. Sean Desai, a, a disciple of Vic Fangio, I don't know if they've gotten all the way there yet defensively. I think they keep it relatively close. But the Raiders offensively potent and will be too much so for the Bears in this one. Las Vegas will win and cover that five and a half at home. Great, great, great game in L.A. I mean, great game in L.A. Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns at 3-1. and one. Going to take on the L.A. Chargers and Justin Herbert, 3-1. and one. As soon as I get home from, the, from our game against the Patriots, this game is going on to television. I, I want to see this game badly. These two teams... I just I I really like the way they play. I like the players they have. I like these two quarterbacks. I know not everybody loves Baker Mayfield. I like Baker. And Justin Herbert's just destroying the league. Chargers are favored by two. I'm gonna give the Chargers the win. The Chargers have got to find a way to block Miles Garrett. He's starting to find himself a little bit. Chargers are favored by two. I think the Chargers win this. And two points is close to even. So we're gonna say the Chargers get a win and cover over the talented Cleveland Browns. NFC East battle, a great one. Giants taking on the Cowboys. Well, it once was great when it was Parcells v. Uh, Wade Phillips. Not quite so much anymore, I guess, because the Giants aren't very good. 
Although the Giants did get a win on the road last week, Danny Dimes threw for 402 yards and looked really good doing it. The Dallas offense is unbelievably good. Dallas is 3-1. Dallas is favored by 7, and I think Dallas covers that. I think Dallas puts up points whenever it wants. I think Jones throws a couple of picks, a lot of yards, but it's not going to matter. Cowboys are going to win this one, like, say, 34-17 and move to 4-1. I think the Cowboys are salty. 49ers taking on the Cardinals. NFC West battle, and Trey Lance will start for the Niners. So if you're keeping track, Trey Lance is starting. He's a rookie. Justin Fields is starting. He's a rookie. Davis Mills a rookie. Um, Mac Jones, a rookie. Trevor Lawrence, a rookie. Those guys are all starting. And then you've got Zach Wilson, also a rookie. So you got a lot of rookies starting on Sunday. And Trey Lance has really, in all honesty, with the way the Cardinals are playing, the Rams are playing, if the 49ers don't knock off the Cardinals, the Cardinals move the 5-0, and 49ers move the 2-3, and I don't know that the 49ers are going to have a chance, and you know what, of catching the Cardinals. This is a must-win for the 49ers, and they're starting the number three overall pick, Trey Lance. That is a tough spot to be in. Arizona's favored by five, which means Vegas isn't quite sure what to do with it, and I think some of that has to do with Trey Lance starting. Garoppolo did not practice all week. I am going with the Cardinals in this. However, Trey Lance is going to do just enough to get inside that five. So 49ers cover, the Cardinals get the win. And then the game I talked about earlier, Bills 3-1, Chiefs 2-2, two and, two, and the Chiefs have not played exceptionally well, but the Chiefs got themselves a win last week to get to even, getting to 2-2, two and, two, and Kansas City is favored by 2.5. Kansas City went to Philadelphia, put 42 up on the board, and that's the kind of offense you expect from Kansas City. They will not put up 42 against the Bills. If the Chiefs do put up 42 against the Bills, it's a long night in Kansas City for the Bills. I don't think that happens. I think the Bills on a neutral field, dry field, all that being the same, I think the Bills are better. But I think Kansas City has to win this one. And I think they will ride that to a four-point win. This is 31-27. Mahomes drives them late in the rain. Chiefs get the win, 31-27 over the Bills, and they're going to get that small cover. And then Monday night, the Indianapolis Colts, formerly the Baltimore Colts, travel to Baltimore to take on the Baltimore Ravens that were formerly the Cleveland Browns. So if you follow that, it's Colts v. Ravens, and Baltimore's favored by seven. Colts got a win. Last week, they got on the board. Put them on the board. Yes. Yes, the, the Colts did get a win last week. However, at the Ravens, too tough. I will say this. Baltimore is a seven-point favorite. I don't like that number. Ravens win. But the Colts keep it close enough to get inside the seven. But I love seeing the Colts fall to one and four. That is Awesome sauce for that to happen to get them to one and four. So now it's on the Texans to get to two and three, and the Titans to get beat by the Jags. That's not going to happen. But either way, Colts, one and three, going to one and four, but they will at least get the cover. Okay, we get back. It's Drew Doherty's final word, and this week it is with our good friend, Whitney Merciless. That's next. Texans All Access. Access.
Access. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access, a TGIF edition. Thank God it's Friday. TGIFF, thank God it's Football Friday edition of Texans All Access. I am your host, John Harris, Satellite Reporter and Football Analyst for your Houston Texans. And it's time for Drew's final word. And this week, it's Whitney Merciless. Drew, before we get into this matchup, does it just feel weird to you? You're facing the Patriots. There is no Tom Brady, and I know you've done that before. You had Cam Newton last year and a few years back. It was Jacoby Brissett. But doesn't this just seem odd that after all these meetings all over all these years, he's not around? Yeah, you know, the talk of the town in the AFC. But uh, him being gone, I mean, you know, as time passes, things change. Yeah. And so, you know, it's inevitable. It's part of the league. Belichick's still there. They still run the, some of the same things. Uh, he gets them prepared each week to do different different uh, looks, different formational sets, different plays. Yeah. So we just got to be tuned into that. And, you know, for us, just stop the run on defense, take the ball away, simple things like that. Yeah, you know, through four games, you've got three sacks, you've got four tackles for loss. What's it been like adjusting to this Lovey Smith defense for you? Ah, uh, man, it's, uh, you know, it's opposed uh, it's challenges, yeah. I would say, you know, as far as like, you know, playing inside the tight end where you got to have like a read stuff versus playing out in the nine and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's been challenging. Um, and then also you, as you, when you get a chance to stand up, you get to see everything, see the formation, kind of get, get an educated guess before and also be able to see the, uh, the clock before it hits zero. You know, if somebody likes to draw the clock out to about one or oh, oh, you know, the ball's coming out regardless. Sure. Or, you know, it's being snapped. So. I was just reading my keys that are in front of me, not seeing too much, only seeing what I need to see to go out there and go react and just go play it and make plays. You talk about reading keys in a play, but we're going to get into Mac Jones, but what are some keys for you when you're facing a rookie quarterback, no matter who it is, whether it's Mac Jones or somebody else? Over the years, it's always been interesting hearing what you say and what you guys do and your approach to facing a rookie who's under center. Yeah, one of the things I, I don't under, uh, underestimate. Some of course. Rookie, you know, because some guy like coaches, especially Belichick, will get them prepared to play. Yeah. You know, a few years back when Jacoby Brissett played and, you know, he smacked us. So, you know, you got to give him some respect. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got that kid definitely working hard. One of, one of the things, uh, keys, does he get rattled in the pocket? Also, does, does he get affected by pressure? Yeah. You know, what's his composure like, uh, uh, essentially? How does he uh, handle the offense? Uh, does he manage the game well? Things like that. And also, does he give up a lot of takeaways? Does he give up the ball a lot? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, for example, interceptions. Is he forcing that by his own right. hand? Can he sit in the pocket to deliver the ball? So we just look at different keys as far as how to get him off the spot, how to get into, into his mind and stuff like that. All right, Whitney, well, looking at him through four games, what impresses you about Mac Jones? He's actually – he's got good composure. You know, he goes out there confident each play, runs that offense uh, like he, he's being coached to do, and he, he understands the entire playbook. He, he seems – very composed as far as reading defenses and stuff and things like that. He makes solid decisions as well, too, reading his keys, uh, going through his uh, progressions and, and things of that nature. So he looks like a well-coached rookie for sure. Shaky week in their offensive line room just based on some guys testing positive for COVID and then other injuries as well. But what does this offensive line look like? I mean, and how much does it look like offensive lines from New England of the past? Because there's been some changes there in how they operate, or haven't there? Yeah, 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 most definitely. In the past, what I've known them, you know, they work well together. And sometimes eh, you might have a guy who, who gets might need a little bit of help on chips and things like mm-hmm. that. Now, as far as the, the change-ups, we'll see. I have to see who's going to be out there, you know, as far as, you know, what's going to be the final say on game day or whatnot. So some guys are going to be playing some different positions where they may not be comfortable at. We'll, we'll have to 
by the time we get to game day and see what the uh, the full roster looks like, we'll have an idea. But we're practicing yeah. each day as far as if we're going to go against somebody who's going to be at the left tackle. You know, several different looks as far as different personnel, guards, centers, X, Y, Z, and all that. So they work well together. There's also they they'll also have chips by the tight end yeah. and also the backs as well too to get a system and some help. And that'll be really prevalent in this game. Okay, we've got to see how you're powering game day. And we've got to know, are are you superstitious in any way on game day? I used to be. Yeah. I used to be. Not too superstitious. Okay. Oh, and the only thing is I like to get up early, get my you know, get my morning routine. I pray, if, okay. if anything. So I'll pray. Me and my girlfriend will do that before I even step on the field and then uh, just go out there and go play. Okay, that's pretty mild. You know, just yeah. waking up early. There's nothing too, yeah, nothing too, too wacky about that. You're not, you're not like Pedro Serrano from Major League, yeah. you know, with Joe Boo and all that. So. <laughs> I don't have any favorite socks. Or... No, no, favorite socks. <laughs> that's good. That's yeah. good because sometimes they, you know, they get skipped in the laundry or something. Yeah. At least they do in my house. <laughs> Is there any particular song or set of songs or type of music you listen to on game day? That's a good question. No, but there's one specific song that I got to hear. It's uh, Lil Wayne, Money on My Mind. I think that was the Carter Two. So I got to listen to that every time I I step on the field. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Good to know. And then finally, what's the go-to meal for you on game day? Is there one? No, not really. I I really don't eat too much. I eat like a bird, especially on game day. Yeah. I don't like a heavy meal. I want to feel light. Okay. So preferably breakfast food. So some eggs, toast, and some bacon. All right. You eat like a bird before the game. Find out what he ravishes after the game in Drew's dozen. So that's going to be a fun one. But Whitney... We really do appreciate the time. Best of luck against these Patriots, and hope you get a win. Oh, yeah, appreciate it. That man's going to play a big role in this one, Whitney Merciless. Been getting it done through the pass rush. I've seen a couple of metrics from different sites and such that he's been doing a really good job rushing the quarterback, and we're going to need that on Sunday. Big thanks to Whit, to Drew, to DP, to Money Mitch, to Mark, to Coach Cully, to all of you. Thank you, Robert Harris. You're the best. We'll see you on Sunday, and as always, go Texans.